0: to The Pharaoh. I am your host, Darling Macy. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Margina Christian. She is the owner and founder of Dr. Mac Wright Consulting, and she's also a distinguished lecturer at the University of Illinois at Chicago and serves as the assistant director for the First Year Writing Program. She's a former senior editor and senior writer for Ebony. Dr. Christian, we are so happy to have you on today. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me. I am pleased to be here.
0: Awesome. So, um, I know you're a huge Prince fan and I know that uh, you worked in, um, this journalism industry and I'm a huge fan of Ebony magazine. Like everybody has like all the Ebony magazines and all the Jets all lined up in the baskets in their living room somewhere. So I thought it was really interesting, um, or it would be really interesting to have you on to talk about how Prince was marketed through these magazines and really how Ebony and Jet are so important to, um, The culture of Black American media and knowledge about our culture uh, just in general.
1: Yes, yes, most definitely.
0: But we always, whenever we have new people on, we got to ask, how did you first discover Prince?
1: I first discovered Prince in 1978, and it was in the magazine Right On. I was in the fifth grade, and I remember uh, at school being on the playground in a close friend of mine, my crew as I called her, um, she runs across uh, the playground and she has this write-on magazine. She opens the centerfold and it's the most gorgeous man I'd ever seen. And he was beautiful. He had the leather jacket on and he had an Anka necklace on at the time and this big afro you could see his beautiful eyes and um he was just gorgeous and his name was prince and i had to know more about him that's what i really needed to know the debut song was out i had to hear his music i had to find out everything about him because i was mesmerized by his looks but his music held my attention okay So
0: you mentioned how you wrote for the cover of Jet and we know that you have an association with Ebony. But how did you get started in the publishing industry? And was that like your original
1: aspiration? Actually, I got my start. uh, I'm from St. Louis, and that is where I was mentored by the late great George E. Curry. And I was a part of the National Association of Black Journalists. They had a minority journalism workshop. And I was a sophomore when I was a part of this program. And it ended up being the blueprint and model for other workshops for young adults. And that's when I really, uh, my passion for entertainment writing began. And I always knew that's the type of writing I wanted to do. But I also knew that I had to pay my dues, so to speak. And, and I had to do all kinds of writing from news. Um, I, I did a lot of fashion writing as well, um, then eventually help. But my main passion was, and has always been entertainment. And Moving from St. Louis, uh, I thought to myself, I wanted to do something. Once I felt like I had reached that plateau in St. Louis where I I couldn't go any higher, I had interviewed the who's who in the industry. And and I remember at that time, Bobby Brown was the king of the stage. And I did a story on him. And that's the story that John Johnson saw um, because I was invited um, to come in for an interview in Chicago. But my goal was to be a writer for Ebony. So when I I reached out initially to Lerone Bennett Jr., um, he was out sick. So I ended up writing a letter to Linda Johnson Rice, who was John H. Johnson's daughter. And the letter went to her. um, I ended up getting an interview. And I remember Mr. Johnson, as we called him, he said, you want to do entertainment writing? And I feel that you'll be able to do more of it if we put you with Jet, because Ebony magazine, the veterans and the people who've been there the longest are going to get those stories. And and you might end up a little frustrated. So if you want to do more of those kinds of stories, I think Jet would be the best place for you. And he was right. So um, I want to back up just a
0: tad when you're talking about working for Jet or for Ebony. For the people who um, might have an interest in working in the industry, like what is the typical day in the life of someone who works for magazines like this?
1: Well, the the day in the life uh, was very different back then for me compared to the day in the life uh, that I left in 2014 and the day in the life of um, most journalists possibly today. But there are some things that always stay the same. Um, You have to pitch stories. You have to reach out to people. It it basically depends on your role because there are some people who will pitch a story but not necessarily have to go out and, and follow it through. Uh, by reaching out to a publicist and um, trying to shape the story. Um, and then sometimes uh, we had it where we had to also deal with glam squad and we had to deal with photographers and we had to do it all when I was with Jet Magazine which was a weekly publication and we didn't go out a lot. We had a lot of the artists would come to the building, the Historic Johnson Publishing Company on 820 South Michigan or we would go to them uh, on location. But because we were weekly, our turnaround was really quick, really fast. So we didn't always have the luxury of going out. So we did a lot of phone interviews and we set a lot of things up that way. Um, a day for Ebony was was very much different because um, then that we were dealing with the a monthly publication. So I had a lot more leeway in terms of when deadlines were to be completed. Um, by this time, I was moved from entertainment to health um, and and doing other types of stories. But I found a way to move back to my passion and what I enjoyed. And that's when I helped to inaugurate a section called Retrospectives, um, where we looked at... Um, moments from the past in, in entertainment, uh, be it an anniversary of a music group or a movie. And that was something I truly enjoyed. And um, I ended up doing a retrospective for the group, The Time. Mm-hmm. And it was during The Time when they had gotten back together and they did the album Condensate. Mm-hmm. And they were not allowed to use their original name.
0: And by the way, We call this thing the original seven because we were not allowed to call it the time. So go figure that, as much as we've all put into this, you know, and I ain't hating in no way. As a matter of fact, in some ways, I think it's better that it is the original seven, but we're gonna talk about the fact that we weren't able to use the name that we all worked so hard to create and make so amazing. Names are unimportant. I mean, this is
1: what it is right here. I mean, it is what it is. Can I just add one thing that sums up our relationship of of, of, uh, 30 years of every, look around this table, it's all the original people. The only way I can sum it up, I was thinking about it the other day, I was thinking about it, you know, we're sitting, I'm sitting around here looking at the table and I realize, wow, the relationships within this band have persevered all that time. And all I can say, it must be a real true piece of love because None of us are with the same woman
0: (laughs) that we started with,
1: (laughs) but we all are still here together.
0: Can I hear it, brothers, before y'all hit the parade? I was wondering where you was going with that. (laughs) But we're with you. You took us through the countryside and back through the city. But I like where we ended, like up. Yeah. ended up. And I like where we are today. Yeah. But you know what? The original seven. Seven okay. fifths in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it the original seven. All right.
1: That is. So I was able to go to California. We sat around, and I, I interviewed all of the members, all seven. However, the seventh member had just left at the time. Jesse Johnson had left the group. So I interviewed him separately on a phone interview. but. Everyone else sat around and they were practicing, rehearsing, and and we talked. Um, and we talked about their 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 three-year career, um, and and their uh, how they were the baddest and still remain some of the baddest musicians there were in the industry, and and from that Prince camp. Um, and they were just sitting back reminiscing. Um, but there was also the pain, the the, the pain of uh, some things that had happened and. Um, How they went through so much because they were um, so good and and, and how their rivalry was more than just in the movie. It, It was actually in real life as well. And all of those members were very strong and are strong men. Mm-hmm. and they couldn't be controlled and um the one thing i respected about them was that they never talked about him behind his back or ever talked about their displeasure or, or disapproval in terms of how some things happened with the career of the group um and we talked about that and we did a retrospective for ebony about the time and in it they talked their talk and and prince did see the story <laughs> So he, he saw the story. Um, and, and one thing I I prided myself on at was being real. You know, you could love someone, but you got to also be honest with them as well. I, I never believed in talking behind his back or um, I wouldn't have wanted someone to write a story or to have done a story about him um, that he was not made aware of. So that's why my hat was always off to the time and, and, and much respect. They did not wait until something happened to let him know how they felt about things. Um, and I knew it was all coming from a place of love, but also a place of pain. Um, so when he died, I, I, I thought about them. And um, I was so pleased to have found out that before he died, he did extend the olive branch um, and that he uh, he made amends with Morris um, because I could see the most pain in Morris's um uh, face and, and voice, um, the pain, but also the passion. So I, my heart was really pleased to see that um, things worked out with them in the end and that um, Prince did, um, like I said, extend the olive branch, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and I knew it was a full circle moment. So for that, my heart was filled with joy.
0: Yeah, because I'd seen like there was a bit of outrage in the last couple of months um, because uh, Jesse Johnson is coming to celebration. And yeah. there was like an audio that got leaked of Jesse talking about Prince and people were upset about it. But I'm like, but if you, you know, if you follow Jesse Johnson, even back from the 80s, he's been very consistent about how he talks about Prince, even right. when it is harsh and even the mm-hmm. dynamic of back yeah. in the day. He would say that to Prince's face often as well. So it's not kind of like a right. behind-the-back thing. Like, all of them were very honest with him, which is mm-hmm. why you right, know, they were along right. for so long. Like, most of them were friends before he was famous for a long time through his right. career. And, and I think there's, right. there's some value of him knowing he's always going to hear the real from them, even if there's a little pettiness in that. But they're going to get it, honestly, the same way from when they were kids to when they're older, too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That, that's very true. Um, yeah. But, you know, death has a funny way of bringing things out of us. Uh, I often say that death shows you exactly who you're dealing with. Um, it, it shows you uh, who people really are. And, and that can sometimes be difficult to, to see, um, especially if you didn't feel you had closure. Yeah. And. You know, I can't speak on behalf of any of them, but you know, if, if you did not have closure, that makes it even more difficult. Um, like I said, a beautiful moment, Morris seemed to have had closure with him, and um, that was wonderful. Um, and uh, yeah, but for others, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Prince was human, he, he was not a perfect man. None of us are perfect, we all have things that, um, people. People weren't always happy about. We have to also realize that people grow and evolve. He was young. Um, I'm sure there were things he did that he thought twice about, um, you know, but those were things that he had to deal with with those people. At some point, you have to kind of let it go. But, you know, who am I to say that with? Because I'm, I'm not in those people's shoes and, and I don't know what some of them had to deal with. Um, I, I know with Jesse, he did have a, a difficult time with Prince, um, you know, uh, Jesse is a hell of a guitar player. You know, I dare say he's probably a better guitar player than Prince, you know, and and, and there was this competition, you know, that sometimes might have skewed into something more. You know, I don't know that, Um, but he has a right to feel the way he feels. You know, of course, people are upset about it, but it is what it is is, you know, he, he, he was um, from that prince fold. All of them were. And, and all of those men in that group um, know their stuff, you know, with or without the prince. They were the best at what they do and the best at what they did. And I would definitely encourage, you know,
0: if people haven't seen the Condensate documentary about the story of the time, it's really well done.
1: Please understand that not everyone feels an obligation to, to stand up and, and share their stories with him you know, and they have a right to that. You know, I respect the people who are, are not flapping and yapping, you know. Um, he Some some of these people have incredible stories that they may never share, and that's their right. They have a privilege to that. Um, and then also people process things differently. We don't know what people are dealing with, you know, what kinds of, of sore spots come up, you know. Everyone wasn't, you know, excited and in love with some of the things he did, you know, and some people go by the policy, you know, it's best if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But I feel like people... we shouldn't come to expect everyone who was touched by Prince's life to speak about their history because they have a right to their privacy in that, that private place. And um, that's something that, uh, Hey, it's okay. But I, 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 um, I go back to how, if you love someone, you have to be honest with who those people are and not, you know, do and say things behind someone's back. And I remember, Um, I went to all three of Prince's Welcome to Chicago concerts, and um, I was tweeting, and the first night he he came out really late, so I was tweeting, and I was upset about it, and I was just... Saying blah 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 blah, um, then I tweeted about the second night, and I'm just going on and on. Now, mind you, I'm talking mad shit about him. I, I loved him, but I was being very honest, you know, um, uh, you know, about his hits and misses. And I was like, the second show he came, he kicked ass. I loved what he did. The first show was like, hmm, he wasn't, didn't bring his A game. The second night, he he admitted he didn't, he wasn't on his A game like he should have been. Listen to me, um, I'm running a little low on vocal cords, so I'm gonna hang out with the band, and I'm gonna save some for tomorrow. we got a big night playing, first part and second part, there and here.
0: If you can, show up, it's gonna be nice. So i save this, you know what you're it's busy.
1: We ended up going to House of Blues, and that's where he did his after party, after show. And a friend of mine, we were on the dance floor, and, you know, Prince comes out, and he has his cane, and he's kind of like, oh, teasing the audience, like, I'll be with you all shortly, blah, blah, blah. So they they start playing Dance Electric by Andre Simone. Take care And we're like tweeting the whole time, every night they play Dance Electric. And we were like, oh, we love that song. Where is Andre Simone and blah, blah, blah. So um, while we're standing there talking about Dance Electric, Andre Simone follows us on Twitter. So we're talking. And and at the time we were um, trying to get uh, President Obama elected for a second, you know, another term. And Andre was really... um, instrumental in in helping to raise awareness, get the votes out, you know, letting people know this is what we need to do. This is crucial. You have to. So uh, I told Andre during the tweet, I'm like, so if he wins, um, I I want you to know. I told him, I said, so when are you going to wear those clear pants like you wore on American Bandstand? So he said, I'll do this. I'll wear those clear pants. If he wins, a second term. I will wear the clear pants. And then um, he said, oh, and then we we have to get together and jam talking about him, Prince, so that we could, uh, you know, play that song again. So, I mean, I'm thinking nothing of it. Um, and I I heard that they had gotten together shortly after at a club in Los Angeles. And um, when Prince played the song, Andre came out and he said, hey, this is the guy who, you know, did the song originally. And it wasn't until Prince's death that I, I got a um, a message uh, via Twitter from Andre's wife. And um, she said, I want you to know that your tweet is the reason why they got together hmm. and they performed. And she said it was the last time they performed together. She said, but he saw that tweet. And that really touched me. Yeah. And at the time, I just cried. I mean, because I knew he was reading the tweet, but the, the fact that, that that tweet could have touched him um, in that way because they kept in touch, you know, throughout the years. But I had no clue that they hadn't like jammed and performed together um, and that that was what set it off. So that was really touching for me. Okay,
0: so um, to switch back to kind of talking about um, your experience in working with Ebony and Jet, from like a a larger perspective, you mentioned um, sometimes working with Prince's publicists, and things like that, or sometimes you go to interview the artists themselves. So how does that work as far as promoting people who have new projects? Is it usually that the publicists reach out to the magazines, or is it that um, these magazines... pitched ideas or is it a combination? How how does that work?
1: It's a combination. It's a combination because um, we've had uh, publicists, their job is to pitch and we've had lots of stories come about that way. Then we've had instances like such as the one where I just explained to you where um, he wasn't doing anything and we reached out to him and it worked out. So it could be twofold. They could be uh, someone could be pitched by a publicist or um, the editorial team could reach out to a publicist if there's interest in a particular artist. And I've even had unique instances where there were celebrities who would pitch themselves and always did it. And, and, and were uh, Someone who did that often was early on, I believe it or not, was Prince. Uh, and it was not for Ebony and Jet magazine, but for people who remember and followed his early career when he was in write on magazine and, and people didn't know who he was, he would reach out to Cynthia Horner, who was the editor-in-chief of write on, and he would set up his own interviews, but he reached out to her and he didn't have a publicist, so he was his own you know advocate for himself. He, he sold him on who uh, he, he sold her on who he was and he did all that himself. So it could go either way. But with Ebony and Jet, we had legends who would handle their own PR, who would reach out to us and share stories or, you know, uh, say, hey, is there an interest in covering this? And then we've had people who have publicists. So it it, it could have been a trifecta of, of ways in which we came up with stories. So what were some of the more interesting stories that you
0: heard about Prince during your time working for these magazines?
1: I worked on, uh, when I was with Jet Magazine, we were on the seventh floor in the Johnson Publishing Building. And that floor was also the same floor where Eunice Johnson Rice. uh, I'm sorry, uh, Eunice uh, W. Johnson, she was in charge of the Ebony Fashion Show. And the models would be on our floor. And I remember we had a commentator who told us this really really cool story about how the fashion show went to Minneapolis. And they went to a performance uh, and saw Prince and said that Prince saw them and, um, he was so, uh, taken aback by their beauty and that he invited them to one of his, uh, after parties or what have you. And they all got the red carpet treatment and they said afterwards he came and, and sat around them and he didn't say a word. He just sat and, and, and gazed at their beauty. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a funny story because, uh, yeah, they said that that's what they did, what he did. So they, they were giving tickets and they were, you know, in his presence. But he he didn't say anything. He just kind of was there around them. And um, I just thought, wow, that was really cool. And um, I remember when he did Under the Cherry Moon, he flew some some of the staff. This was long before my tenure at Jet Magazine. But I heard how he had flown staff um, over to France for those um the press that they were doing. Mm -hmm. But another more interesting story I can recall that was a personal story was uh, this story related to someone that I used to work with. Her name was LaDoris Foster, and she was the director of human resources at Johnson Publishing Company. She was also from Minneapolis. And she would light up and turn into this giddy schoolgirl when she talked about her time in Minneapolis. She would share these really cool stories about Prince, but most importantly, she shared the best stories about Prince's mother and his aunt, Edna. And his mother, Maddie, and Edna, they were twins. And she would tell the coolest stories. about them playing basketball and what it was like, how their neighboring uh, projects would get together and the girls on both teams would, you know, just hoop it out and and how the the young ladies, Maddie and and, um, Edna's last name was Shaw. They were known as the Shaw twins. And she she told this story and, and about their adventures and everything and how she would see her and tell her, proud of what her son was doing and um it was just the coolest thing ever so it was shortly before Mother's Day and and I had a dream and and I, I wanted to find out from him if it was okay for me to share the story and I told him the story is about your mother and his eyes slightly watered and he didn't say anything but I knew from his response that it meant yes and then he left So I woke up and I immediately typed the story and I put it together. And the story ended up moving, I believe it moved on Mother's Day. And I titled it, The Gift That Prince's Mother Left Him. And there was always the runny joke about him being this great hooper and he could play basketball so well, but he was so sh- short. Um, and I-, I wanted people to know he got his hooper skills. Honestly, he got his hooper skills from his mother. He got it from his mama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I-, I-, I shared that story um, and I wrote about it. And I also in that story, I, I remember. Um, I had interviewed Vanity. We had a, where are they now? And, and when I talked to her, I could hear the love she still had for him in her voice as well. And she said she prayed for him. She believed he was praying for her as well. And she said, you know, one day I believe that we're, we'll meet again. She said, it'll be a supernatural hookup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I got chills because when she died, um, I just thought to myself, when she said that they would meet again, she said it with such confidence and and I wouldn't have ever known or or even have thought to put something like this together, but I understood what she meant at that moment, but this story I moved about Prince's mother and uh vanity. this story ended up being seen by of all people mar's day hmm. and the person who did Mars Day's uh, social media had it was on Facebook, and the person shared it. It ended up being the most viewed and the highly, most widely shared story I had on my blog. Hmm. That was my confirmation, and that it was meant to be seen. And that's how I know that there's life after.
0: Kind of leads into my next question, though. So. What's something that you want people to know about Prince that you think um, they should pay more attention to?
1: I think people should pay more attention to the music. Everyone wants to know who was he and and what was he and, and how did he live and everything you want to know is there. A, um, you just have to listen closely, it go decade by decade, song by song. It, it spoke to his journey, his highs, his lows. Um, there were morsels of who he was and what he was dealing with, the good and the bad. Um, it was always there, you know. And um, I would say people need to pay more attention to that and just really focus on letting people know who he was as a musician, as an artist, as a man. That's. That's what I would say people should focus more on. And that's what I would hope that people would uh, spend more time doing because that's who he was. Last thing, I think people need to stop looking to um, people for validation from those who knew him because everyone's story is different. And depending upon whose story you hear, that that could taint or, 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 or tarnish your thoughts or views about him um, because you just don't know. Um, so, I, I would say, you know, listen to the stories, but, um, you know, and stop worshipping these people that he worked with. They, they were humans. You know, they were people who lived, died, uh, you know, um, uh, this, this depth that I, I talk of in terms of career, um, in terms of what they did, um, he didn't always keep people in his circle. You know, so there are people who were in his circle during the height of his career, um, during some of his down times, during his later times. Um, so I would say, just focus on the music. Um, you know, it's beautiful that people are sharing stories, but but don't get so caught up that we we trade one person for another because we don't want anyone to um, be worshipped. You know, we should not worship anyone except God, or as he would say. Um, Jehovah. That's the only one uh, that we should worship and look to. Not, Not a man, not a person. Okay. And
0: so what are some of the projects that you're working on now and where can people find out more about them?
1: Oh, I actually just completed at the end of last year. Here, a, uh, it was based on my research when I was working on my doctorate, but it was a—it's uh, about uh, the late John H. Johnson, um, pioneering publisher of Johnson Publishing Company, Ebony Jet Magazine, and the book is called *Empire: The House That John H. Johnson Built: Life and Legacy of a Pioneering uh, Publishing Magnet*. And that book. Anywhere books are sold, you will be able to get a copy of it. And it's also online at all of the mainstream places online, from Amazon to Borders to Barnes and Noble to uh, Books A Million. And you can also get it on my website, which is marginachristian.com And that's M-A-R-G-E-N-A-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. And um, yeah there's the ebook, hard copy, as well as paperback. And that's an extension of the research I conducted, um, once again, based on um, me earning my doctorate. And I just wanted to do a book that would Uh, Look at the complexities and give a better compilation of John H. Johnson, the man. And it wasn't something I set out to do. It was just kind of a natural progression in the process of uh, what a scholar does naturally when he or she has completed research.
0: Awesome. Okay. so did you have any like any final thoughts
1: um, that you want to share about Prince as we close up here? Prince always knew what he wanted to do, but he also had, was realistic. And he said, I'm gonna go to California. And he told Bernard, Bernadette Anderson, um, Andre Simone's mom, I'm going to California and I'm gonna try this thing out. But if it doesn't work, I'm gonna come back to Minneapolis and I'm gonna go to college so I could be a music teacher. Prince became a music teacher. He was an educator. He taught us the business of music and he broke it down. And for that, we we can't do anything but to say thank you. So while he didn't become a teacher in a traditional sense, he became a teacher in an even bigger way. And he had a bigger, larger platform all the way to the very end do not wait on someone else to make opportunities for you. Create them for yourself and own your work. Learn the business of music. Have a good attorney. And always, always stay woke because other people are watching. So those are some lessons I learned from him. Um, The importance of ownership, having a good attorney, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, but then also knowing, also knowing um, that your work is valuable. And if you don't own it, uh, someone else will. And if you don't value it, someone else will as well. Um, so those are the, the greatest lessons that any teacher could leave and bless us with. And for that, I am thankful to Dr. Pritz Rogers-Nelson, honorary doctor and my fellow scholar.
0: Amen. And do you have like any social media that you want people to follow you on so they can keep up with you?
1: Oh yes, I do have uh, a Twitter, and uh, that is Dr. Margina Christian, and it is D R M A R G E N A X A N. That's for Twitter, and then uh, I do have a public page for Facebook, which is my name, Margina A. Christian. And those are places that uh, people can uh, keep up with some things that i 'm doing or, or what's happening. I am working on another project at the moment, and um, guys will be hearing about it real soon and um, I'm excited about it. Well, thank you for your time today, Dr. Christian thank you so very much for having me, and I love what you're doing with this platform i, I, I My heart jumps. Uh, and I feel with glee to know uh, what you're doing and, and we have to let people know that Brother Nelson was soul brother number one <laughs> don't ever get it twisted don't ever get it twisted yes ma'am <laughs> <sighs>
0: So, um, I, my name is Darling Nisi once again. We are used to the Pharaoh, a subsidiary of the podcast on print, new name, everybody noticed that, <laughs> by Michael Dean. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Darling Nisi, as well as Tumblr at Darling Nisi. Um, and so, we will see you guys next time. Bye.